Good morning, everyone. Great, great joy for me to be here with you this morning. And uh, I think the first order of business is to get clear whether it's 33, 34, or 36, right? Okay. Uh, 33 was right a week ago when we were in 2023, and 34 is right now, okay? 36 comes from the fact that the two years before we went to France were spent here. So there's 36 years of loving relationship between us and this church family here. That's how we get those. All three of those numbers are right somewhere. Okay. All right. And uh, I want to come and say thank you, first of all. That's what I want to do. Thank you. We have been truly blessed. I'm coming and maybe there's many of you who have never met us. And those of you who have met us, have you figured out how the conversation goes? Oh, hi, Craig. Where's Katie? Hmm? Yeah. Okay. Where are the girls? And how come you're not singing today? So I'm sorry about all that, but uh, I am very, very glad to be here before you and share with you. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about Caleb, but before we get to Caleb, I want to introduce somebody else to you. And let's say, there you go. Okay, that's Daniel. Exceptionally, we're back over the holidays, Christmas holidays. It's not our normal routine, but we had really good reason to do that. And that's why Katie is not here with me. She is with our grandson, Daniel. So very grateful to God. And there's great joys, uh, you know, sorrow in the evening and joy comes in the morning. Our, our daughter, Emily, uh, husband Rob, they had a, uh, a tragic first pregnancy, and we're very grateful to God for this beautiful, joyful Daniel who is here now. Very grateful to God. Uh, so we'll continue on, and I want to just say two words of introduction for us, and if we can keep moving the slides along, then um, I'm handicapped here without Katie, that's true, but I want to say on her behalf also a thank you, and we're grateful to God for all of you. And we're here today not only to talk about Daniel, but to talk about the things that God's doing in the kingdom in Marseille, and very, very excited about that. And we have a special mission opportunity we'd like to talk to you about this morning. And that's the connection with a certain Caleb that we started with. Uh, so Caleb, when he was 40 years old, he was a part of the 12 who went in to explore the land, okay? And when the scripture that was read in Joshua 14 comes 45 years later, when Caleb is 85. Caleb is 85, he goes to Joshua, he says, you remember 40 year, 45 years ago? I was there. And today, I'm ready to go, okay? So uh, let's go back to Joshua 14, 6 and 7. I was 40 years old, and the flashback takes us to Numbers 13. The Lord says to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. God gives us things. And God gave the land to the Israelites. Don't miss that. Next, verses 17 to 20, Moses said, okay, guys, go out and explore the land. So we got 12 that are going to go out, explore. They go up into the hill country. Is it going to be a place full of strong people, weak people? Uh, what's the land like, good or bad? How's the fruit? How's everything? They're going to go find out. And verses 26 to 28, they come back and they give the report. And what's the report say? 
We'll just stay with what's in yellow. When we went into the land which you sent us, it flows with milk and honey. God gave it to us. It's flowing with milk and honey. Everything's great. But, boy, those people that are there, they're tough. Eh? You know, that goes on in our life all the time. This is an extraordinary opportunity. But, I, I can't believe that God has put this in front of us. But, eh? what's the difference between Caleb and the others? Well, Caleb says, I got a feeling this is not going in the right direction. I don't like the, the but. Let's stay on target. Let's go up and take possession of the land that God has given to us. We can certainly do it. Verse 31, there's that word again. But. They said, no, we, we can't attack these people. They're stronger than we are. We cannot do this. Okay. Verse 32 and 33. When we only look at the people and at the problems, we get stuck. We really do. Okay? And something starts happening in our minds. I don't know how our minds are, are tuned that way, but things just go from bad to worse. Okay? The people are big. Not only are they big, they devour everybody. They're of great size. And we are what? Who are we here? Well, we're like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Okay? I don't know if you've ever had that experience. You feel like you're just so small and insignificant and nothing, but you have this amazing gift of telepathy. You're able to project into the other person's brain, and you say, they know that I'm a grasshopper. How can you, how do we do that? It's, it's amazing. That's what they do and we're quickly defeated. Everything on a horizontal. The only guy who's looking up is Joshua, I mean, Caleb, excuse me, and he says with Joshua, if the Lord is pleased with us, he's the only one who's gonna verbalize the Lord in the story, we'll take it. The Lord is with us. He will lead us into the land, he will give us the land. What's your viewpoint, horizontal or vertical? Vital, the difference between the two in the way you go forward in your life and your mission. Vital, the difference. Now, Joshua and Caleb didn't get their way. The people did rebel, and it's gonna take a generation to turn things around. One of those fun little things, how long did it take the Israelites to get out of Egypt and in the Promised Land? It didn't take them 40 years, it took them a couple months. But then they made a U-turn and walked away for 40 years. Yeah. Well, we have some images that come to mind when we think about Caleb at 40 years old, ready to go in, and Caleb at 85 years old, after a whole generation has gone by, still hanging in there. And what did we hear about Caleb? He followed the Lord wholeheartedly. That's the one sentence I want to leave with you this morning. Follow the Lord wholeheartedly. When you're 40 years old and full of energy and you can do that, is great. When you're 85 years old, if you continue to follow the Lord wholeheartedly like Caleb did, well, you're still ready to go at 85. Bring it on.
bring it on, okay? Now, we're in a situation, I'm a grandfather, so that's an exciting change, and God's done something with us over a generation. I walk in here this morning and see you talking about generation and passing up. Wow, awesome, beautiful. And that's what's happening with us. God has led us into a land, France, and he's done some things over a generation, and I want to share a little bit about that with you this morning. So our world, if you can go on to the next one, is a world that is Mediterranean. So Marseille is the entry point into France from all things North African, that's Morocco, Algeria, and Tunisia. And so we'll continue on with the slides. Marseille is two places at once. It's European, it's sitting in France on French soil, and it's North African. The joke in France is, how's your geography? What's the northernmost African city? The answer, Marseille, okay? Yeah. And we live in the same thing in our neighborhood. One side of the street, one side of the railroad tracks is culturally Catholic, and the other side culturally Muslim. And right in between, you can go on, is the Chapelle de Fouveau. That's our church. You're looking at it. And we sit in between the two. And if you see those women that are walking by, you get a clear picture that 50% of our neighborhood is North African in Marseille. Now, I went through all that because this project that I want to present to you uh, has a context culturally in our mission in Marseille. And it also has a context over time, like Caleb. God took a generation to prepare us for this project. We went to France to battle the forces of spiritual darkness, and today we're battling AI, but in a different way than you're familiar with. A as in atheism, and I as in Islam. And those are the two elements that are most at work in our neighborhood. And when we bring the love of Christ against atheism and Islam, there's some incredible, amazing things that happen. So for seven years, We've been praying in pursuit of a dream, a Christian outreach center to bring our missional hub together and want to tell you a little more about that. 60 years old and we've been trying to pass it on. One of the things we learned in St. Louis was to pass on what we've learned. And now we're trying to do that in a specific way, kind of a legacy kind of way. We're thinking of those who are going to be there long after we're gone. And God has opened a possibility to us for a thriving center of Christian outreach in the city just 15 minutes from our home. And for us, this is a project of a lifetime. This is in our little parallel, when we were 30 and went to France full of energy, and now we're 60 and yeah, it's not quite the same, but we wanna go to battle still. And God has done amazing things. He's prepared for us so much. He has given us so much. One of the greatest gifts he's given us is a bunch of teamwork, uh, teammates to work with. Now, I uh, just, I can't, don't have time to go into all the names, but uh, just a beautiful, wonderful blessing of people and families and couples that have come to faith and have been a part of our work over a generation. And now, all together, one family, we're ready to go and move forward in this project. I do want to introduce you to a few of them because we've got so many the teammates that are coming on with the young people, the young adults, the teenagers, uh, the next generation, all that is coming in place. And, and God has done things over a generation. One of the beautiful examples of that is Khaled. So Khaled, uh, celebrating New Year's 2000, and that was December 31st, 2001, with his wife, Jijiga, Muslim. Our coworker, Garth, Garth and Diana, who were here in St. Louis with us to train in the internship, 
they have a conversation and they start getting into it, Christian, Muslim, all that. And it gets a little hot. Gar says, let's just keep our friendly relationship. Let's not get into all that. I'm just going to pray that someday you'll go share the gospel in Algeria. And Khaled laughed at him. I mean, literally laughed at him. Yeah. yeah. Eight years later, Khaled's baptized. And six years after that, his daughter Lydia is baptized and it's already going on to another generation. And then this is Esther and Jackson, Esther, my daughter, and her husband Jackson's wedding with Khaled and his family around them. And it's at this point that Khaled does, right before COVID, finally make a trip to Algeria. And they ask him to come up and speak. And as he's getting up to go speak, it all comes back to him. 17 years ago, somebody said, I'm going to pray that you'll preach the gospel in Algeria. And Khaled gets up, and the first thing he says is, beware of the prayer of a Christian. And I like to remind you of that. Beware of the prayer of a Christian. Eh? God does it in his time. And God does it in his time. Now, Khaled, you've seen him baptize somebody behind me. Now you've seen him with an overcoat on. You know, he's from North Africa, cultural thing. He's getting up to preach, and I'm like, no, you don't go preach with your coat on. You know, you take your coat off. Well, no. The coat is on, the shirt is on, the pants are on, the boots are on, and all of those things he wore on purpose that Sunday because they were all gifts from other people. And he got up to preach about generosity and thanksgiving. Khaled, okay? Now he teaches our students in our Christians on Mission training program. I want to tell you about a few more of what God's done over generation. This is uh, one of my favorite snapshots. This is the picture of the Marseille young adult youth group. And these guys are on fire now for the Lord. A few years later, let me tell you about a couple of them. One of them is Morgana. She meets Katie to learn English. She comes a part of the activities at the church. The parents are completely atheists, but she makes friends with Emily, my daughter. And she's baptized after that. Esther's reading a scripture at her baptism, and then she comes and becomes a part of the training program as well for a year of our Christian mission training, and then she has the joy of bringing her brother along, and this is at her brother's baptism this year. Well, who's that guy on the left there filming all this? Dad. Dad the atheist, who's just watching all this happen to his kids, and you can just see him being drawn in. Beautiful, what God is doing over a generation. Morgana is already sharing it with the next generation. Christopher, tell you about one more. Christopher, we meet on the soccer field. That's a great place to meet people in Marseille. And he sees that something's different about us, and he literally starts asking me about Jesus on the soccer field. Okay? Well, he comes to church looking like this the first time he came. I don't know how we got this snapshot, but this is Christopher. And God just grabs a hold of him. And we see that he comes from a classic Marseille world. You can go on to the next one there. We've got a uh, French part of the family on the left and the North African part of the family on the right and Christopher in the middle. And he comes to faith and he has been a great part of what's going on as well. That's on his baptism and then he's leading in the Lord's Supper in Marseille. Uh, so people, I just want to let you know about some people and what God is doing over a generation. And then ministry. This is our family today in Marseille. Just was taken in November, just two months ago. 
our chapel de Fuvo church family, 25 years earlier, it looked like this. Right? And that's, uh, that's what God's been doing, and we're just grateful. Just a story of grace from beginning to end, and he's been doing that. We mentioned other ministry, the Christian on Mission program, kind of a St. Louis spiritual internship for Marseille. Been going on for 25 years now. First group in 99. And then the next bunch uh, is the Harmony Bible Camp. You have Camp Neotes, you know what that does, and it's just been incredible to see what God does through the camps. Uh, and that's been going on for 27 years. And we have a facility that we use for that camp, which is the Santo Bonfoy Retreat Center that we've been running for 22 years. And then I also want to mention uh, the chorus, because that's what Katie leads, and our, our choral group in Marseille is a great, great tool for evangelism. And these are just things that have been going on now as we think about it. That's been happening for a generation. And God has been using all of this for a generation to prepare us not for retirement, but for the next mission that he's called us to, right? So, God, he's the one who raises the dead and calls into existence that which does not exist. When we're facing death, he's the one who raises the dead. When we're facing an impossible situation, he is the one who calls into existence that which does not exist. When we continue to look vertically, we can continue to go forward. We can continue to go forward. And God has called us into a beautiful mission opportunity, and I want to present that to you. The vision is a Christian outreach center. You're looking at a monastery that is 15 minutes from our home. Okay? What's the uh, French spiritual atmosphere? There's nobody to live in there anymore. Everybody's dead. The Catholic faith is going that direction. Okay? It's only the Muslim faith that's going that direction. Atheism covers everything else. And in this context, God has opened an opportunity for us. Now, a reminder, this is not about buildings. It's about people. One of my favorite little shop shots, Mathilde. I know Mathilde, and I know her sweet mom and dad who are solid and devout atheists, but their little girl can come and hang out in our neighborhood because it's a safe place to be at the church. I know Anya and I know her mom and dad, Muslim. Okay? And what happens when the love of Christ comes here and here? Well, just brings it all together. That's what this is about. That's the privilege that God has given us to be able to be a part of something like this. Okay? So, I'm going to give you a real quick snapshot of what we're trying to do with this project. Um, it's going to be in two phases, but everything we can do to bring the gospel to the next generation, that's what we're hoping to make happen at this uh, monastery that we want to convert into a Christian outreach center. It'll be a place for Bible camps that we've already got a lot of experience in, for retreats, seminars, conferences, every way that we can express the Christian faith in our context, in our neighborhood, and beyond. And there is a chapel, a place of worship incorporated in the building, which makes for a great place of worship for a new church. And Lord willing, down the road, we will also have a church planting as a part of this whole operation. Uh, real quick on the details of the building. Uh, 
this is the property, and if you look way in the back, there's a crossway up on the hill. That's how huge this place is. And we'll just go on to the next one. So you've got 40 acres of agricultural land in the back, and we're working with 10 acres in the front for our mission project. And this gives you kind of a little picture of the buildings. We have the monastery and two buildings next to it that we're going to be working with. Lots of room to do all kinds of awesome ministry, and we're thrilled with this possibility. Okay? And this is in the chapel, uh, 100, over 100 years old, but this is a place we come in. We did one technical visit, so we had Garth and Diana, Garth and Diana, Katie and I, and I tell our architect, I need to do a technical um, study here on this thing. How is the acoustic in this chapel? And we just got up and started singing, and he just pulled out his camera and filmed us. So, yeah. Uh, this is the structure. You can see, well, how come it's not all square? Well, because... It got built over time, and it's very old. But Jeff had mentioned engineering. You know, uh, here I go. I can't help it. So here's my engineering lesson for you this morning, okay? Next slide. The foundation is Jesus, okay? The cornerstone is Jesus. That's it. And anything you build starts with one point. That's that point down here on the corner, Jesus. Everything goes back to that point. Everything you do, every moment, every time. Doesn't matter how many stories high you're up with your skyscraper, it still goes back to that one point. Doesn't matter how many years further down the road you are in your life, it still goes back to that one point. Everything goes back to Jesus. Okay. We're, we're amazed. How is this possible? We're a little tiny fish in this big pond, and how did God open this door to us? It's absolutely unfathomable for us that he did it, but he did. God is the one. His hand is at work. He's opened doors that were completely shut. He's called into existence that which does not exist, and we're honored and amazed. One quote about this work from my teammate, Max Donner, who's been there on the field for 50 years, and we've been working together for all 34 of them. If you can go on to the next one. The Lord's work never depends on buildings or property or any of that stuff. That's what's clear. Having said that, God shows his love to those who he called to mission by providing means to fulfill their purposes. And this is a means to fulfill our mission and ministry in Marseille. Max says, I've been a missionary in France for 53 years. And in my view, the Bethlehem Monastery is the most promising investment in the future of the French church that I have ever encountered. And we're all in agreement on that and thrilled at this possibility. You have supported us for many years. Many of others have supported him for many years. And you'll know, and you know, that we will make good use of what you can provide to help us do that. It's a daunting work, but the possibilities are too great to pass it up. We want to take on the challenge. And that brings us back to Joshua and to Caleb specifically. Caleb says, here I am, 85 years old. Okay. And what do I want at 85 years old? Well, I'm still strong and I'm still ready to go. Give me what? Give me the land of the Anakites, okay? Those are the big guys with the fortified cities. That's the toughest place to take. But with the Lord's help, we'll take it. Okay? Think about this. Next slide. 
Caleb did not choose the easiest battle. He chose the most difficult one. Follow the Lord your God with all your heart and he'll give you the toughest battle? Maybe. But there's another way to look at that. Follow the Lord with all your heart and like Caleb, you will choose the toughest battle. You will choose the toughest battle. The example par excellence had to put a little French in there, right? Jesus, he chose the toughest battle, the cross for all of us. So maybe you have a tough battle to choose. Choose it. After a generation of following the Lord your God with all your heart, the tough battle is there. For us, this is our tough battle a daunting task, and we have chosen to take it on. And we want to see it to completion for the kingdom. Eh? Go in and take possession of what God has given us. And I want to encourage you to do the same. I want to encourage you to do the same in your own life. To go in and take possession of what God has called you to take on, however tough that might be. And I want to encourage you to join us and help us very practically, very specifically, as we take on this project of purchasing this monastery and using it for his glory as a center of Christian outreach in Marseille, France. Whatever you do, whatever your challenge, like Caleb, finish well. Keep on all the way to the end. Follow the Lord your God, with all your heart. He's prepared you to take on the tough challenges. Don't back down. Take them on. Take them on. Follow the Lord your God with all your heart.